welcome to another edition of Hometown History. I am Jamie and this is Dami. Hi. Uh, this is our second episode, the first one we did a couple weeks ago. It is available on YouTube and witnessingyork.com. We talked about the Baptists and the Underground Railroad in York. Tonight though our topic is a little different, talking about soldiers and war and what can happen when people experience traumatic events. So we're going to hit the Civil War, mostly talking then about World War II, and then some contemporary industrial accidents that happened in New York County. Um, so before we go any further, if you notice, we're at a new location this time, or the VFW, uh, the Edders one, but it's also in Newberry Town. So if you hear any like now noise, there's a road right behind us. So excuse the the volume. We'll try to we're right next to the entrance, so people are going to be coming and going. Yeah. <laughs> the window right here. Um, and another disclaimer as well, so today we're going to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder and other conditions that people experience, but Dami and I, we are not medical professionals, right. and so we're going to be talking about these things, um, more about their experiences and how people felt, but we are not uh, certified, we are not diagnosing anybody. Right. We're not giving you medical advice. Yep. <laughs> so. Yep. Um, so I thought since we're going to talk about the Civil War first, I would go into a little bit more about what is PTSD. So the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual number 5, it's called the DSM-5, it's been around for a number of years since the 1950s and in 1952 was the first time that they linked uh, emotional health with symptoms. And so it was first called Gross Stress Reaction, that was in 1952. It changed again in 1968 to adjustment reaction to adult life, but it wasn't until the 1980s when PTSD was first diagnosed. Uh, and that's when they linked war trauma with post-civilian life. So some of the definitions of PTSD, some of the symptoms that come along with it, are involuntary reoccurring intrusive memories like dreams or flashbacks, avoiding stimuli associated with the event, um, negative moods like depression or memory loss, exaggerated beliefs, uh, distorted memories, detachment, and then also change of behavior. So anger, outbursts, and these things have to affect somebody for at least a month and directly impact their social life. Um, and their job. So we're going to be sensitive today and understand that even some viewers who are watching could have experienced some trauma. Um, so Dami and I are going to be talking about it from a historical perspective and bring it the whole way to current day. So, yeah. Civil War. Yeah, so I'm a Civil War reenactor. Shout out to the 87th PA, Company C, uh, historically recruited out Ooh, of York County. Yay. So I'm sure there was veterans from the 87th that had PTSD, but back then they didn't have the vocabulary for that. So what we consider PTSD today, back during the Civil War, it was called acute mania, soldier's heart, irritable heart, and it could even just be called insanity. They didn't really have the vocabulary, they didn't have the understanding of what PTSD really was, and they didn't have the understanding of how war and the trauma of war really affected soldiers and civilians. Um, if you're aware of the National Civil War Museum of Civil War Medicine, they had a groundbreaking exhibit in 2014. It was the first of its kind and it centered on mental health and the effects of PTSD and other mental health issues on soldiers. And they didn't really understand what caused it. So these are kind of funny if you think about it. They thought that the knapsack straps could be too tight across your chest and that could cause uh, irritable heart syndrome. Oh. As a reenactor, I can tell you that the straps aren't that tight, um, even if you are marching a lot. So soldiers were like breathing 
too rapidly. Yeah, they thought, I'm sure there were some soldiers that maybe had like some bruises on their chest yeah. from carrying their knapsack. It was heavy, they carried it long distances, but that is not going to cause PTSD. Right. Um, they thought just someone who was frightened, someone who got the news about the war, mm-hmm. that that was what we would consider PTSD. Obviously, you know, the person was scared. They've been through a lot. Whether you're a soldier or you're a civilian during the Civil War, Sorry about the car noises, everybody. <laughs> burn out. Don't, hey, no, okay, don't yeah. burn out. So, yeah, we got a head nod. Okay, we got a fan. Well, and I was reading that um, if a soldier was experiencing some um, uh, uh, an attack of some sort and they couldn't fight, mm-hmm. they were given drugs and told to go right back out. Yeah, basically, there was no extended hospital stay for this because you have to remember during the Civil War, it was triage. Mm. You're getting sent in because you just had your leg shot off. You're going in because you need something amputated. You're going in because you're not savable. You're about to die. Oh my gosh. So if you had all of your limbs and you were coherent enough to hold a gun and to shoot a gun, you were going back out to the front lines. So just enough drugs to calm you down, Mm. stop the panic attack, and you were right back out on the front lines. And I mean, again, the civilians that suffered from PTSD, you know, here are women, they're... Um, their husband, their father, their sons are off to war. They're now the breadwinners at home, taking care of a farm, taking care of children on their own for the very first time. And we're probably looking at these people that are having panic attacks or having um, mental breakdowns that probably had PTSD. They're insane. So you ship them off to an insane asylum. Well, and I was thinking about that. Like, if I was, because, you know, York... We were involved in the Civil War. Yes, we were. We surrendered to the Confederacy, and so Mm -hmm. for a while we were occupied. Right. So I was thinking, you know, if I was a woman and I was at home, and um, at the time women weren't prepared to be business decision makers. Right. You know, it's just the time period. They weren't given the groundwork to be able to make those decisions. And so you're left on your own. You're a single parent. Mm-hmm. You still have to... There's not like there's a giant down the street. It's not... Right. Like, you were take, growing your own food. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so we, we talked about this woman named Cassandra um, Smith-Morris. Yes. Did I say her name correct? Yes. Cassandra Small-Morris. And she wrote a diary where she talked about when the Confederates occupied York. Mm-hmm. And, and they said that she didn't take her clothes off for a week. I believe it. Yeah. She was so scared that she kept her clothes on and she didn't go out people didn't go out because what would happen to women yeah i mean potentially that never there's no documented <laughs> case in york but right so fear but was there. the women were so afraid that the soldiers were going to come through and ransack their houses take over their houses convert them into hospitals convert them into officers quarters um rape them potentially mm. although that you know again no documented cases in york it was still a fear when the enemy comes and occupies your town you don't have control over it. Mm. Um, I also want to highlight two soldiers during the Civil War that were from York County. One of them was a colored soldier, um, James Barton. So we, again, don't know for sure if he had PTSD, but it's very likely because after the war, he had to fight for his pension. Mm -hmm. So you've gone through a traumatic experience. You come home and you're changed for the rest of your life. And then you have to fight your own government to get paid for you know, putting yourself out there. When I heard that, when he was serving, he got the measles. Yes. And then he went home, and people said that he was never the same again. No, and even he survived the measles and was sent back, and even the soldiers that he returned to, his comrades, said he wasn't the The same. same. He looked different. He acted different. He held himself differently, which is a, um, 
you know, that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, so that is like a hallmark of someone that's suffering from PTSD. They're yeah. going to be changed not only physically, but emotionally yeah. from the war. And then I also want to highlight uh, John Henry Denning. He was from York. He actually got the Medal of Honor. And if you're going to get the Medal of Honor during the Civil War, you have to do something entirely extremely heroic and you know he went through so much and here he is a decorated soldier coming back from war and everyone said he was different he didn't get along with anyone wow he came home and he was just combative and they said he had a bone to pick with everyone oh and was he like that before it didn't sound like he was that bad before he went to war yeah and he comes home and he's just a changed person but because we didn't have the vocabulary right you know we said oh he went insane or oh he's just a grouchy old man yeah soldier's heart irritable heart yeah and that's what makes me think about and that's why Dami and I are talking about this because there's a lot of stereotypes that uh, men and soldiers are supposed to be heroic and strike you know they shouldn't show their emotions have feelings you know if you Mm -hmm. cry you're a girl and and we're trying to bring highlight to to these issues and talk about how this isn't new if someone's experiencing um, some type of post-traumatic stress this has been happening for hundreds of years it just hasn't been documented since the beginning of war right it's yeah been happening yeah. and there was actually a woman in york county uh, michelle mcknight baker who wrote a book called soldier's heart as a novel um it's based on true events within her family but it is historical fiction and you know it is it's about two boys two fathers scarred by war who will survive and you know again scarred by war not only physically but mentally so that's a good book if you want to check it out you know from Again, it's still fiction, but it has a thread of truth throughout the entire thing. And it talks about them coming back from war and the things that they saw and having to integrate back into society, which I'm sure is one of the hardest parts of it all because you come from a combat zone where you're 100% aware all the time that you could be killed Mm -hmm. at any moment and you're fighting against people every day and then you come home and all of a sudden you don't have to anymore. Well, and, and that's another thing in her book too, she highlights, I think people like conflict. They like to talk about right. how people disagree, mm-hmm. but this is a story of a black boy and a white boy and they fight against the odds and they figure out how to create a relationship, which I think is worth highlighting, which right. I want to commend her for that amazing work. Um, same with the surrender of York. I know there's a lot of contention over right. it, um, but you know, people thought at the time that they were doing what's best. And, right, and, and hindsight's twenty twenty. Exactly. And yep. in the moment, you have to make these rash decisions. And there were black soldiers that had to get along with white soldiers, mm-hmm. and there were civilians that had to learn to live their life with occupied towns yeah. and enemy forces. And there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah. I mean, trauma isn't just one size fits all. Yeah. And I mean, that goes on to World War Two as yep. well. Yep. It didn't stop with the Civil War. There was World War One, World War Two. Right. So yeah, through the years, PTSD has changed its names. Um, so as Dami pointed out, it was called Soldier's Heart. But during World War One, it changed to shell shock, gas hysteria, war neuroses. Um, and when you think about the Civil War, there was a lot of fighting that was, um, I mean, it was bloody. Um, right. There were examples of people being showered in body parts. I mean, it's gruesome, right? Yeah, and it was. It, like, horrible. And, and even when the war was over, they had fields that were just covered with, with bodies. Now, yeah. I, I want to be clear. Most historians say that soldiers went on to live productive lives. So we're not saying that just someone, because they right. experienced war, that you're doomed to these things. People can, can fully move on and figure out mental health and, and be fine. But if, for some people, though, they did have that impact. Right. 
In Civil War One, here we have um, gas, and you can't really see your enemies with a different type of, of fighting. Trench warfare. Yeah, um, but you couldn't, again, you couldn't leave. You were stuck in these trenches. Right. Can you imagine feeling, I mean, imagine, no. you remember what it was like during quarantine. Yeah, and, I know, and then you're in a trench, and your feet are wet, yeah. and you're getting gangrene of the yeah. feet, probably trench diet. Yeah. yeah, no, I couldn't imagine, and you know, just like you mentioned, war was changing, so you weren't standing right across from each other anymore just shooting a rifle. You're using poisonous gases yeah. now, yep. and the weaponry is getting more accurate and more lethal. Yep. Yep. So yeah, and Dami and I want to be clear: we are not comparing the quarantine to right. no. War One. We understand there's a huge difference between right. combatants and non-combatants and what we went through. But um, as we're both, you know, she, Dom, I'm an educator, professional educator, and Dami is in her own way, own way with her Facebook group and reenactment. And we feel that one way to help people understand and build empathy is to put yourself in their shoes. Right. Is there any connection that we can make? That's what we're doing here today. Um, so you talked about then going into World War II. Right. So World War II was the first time that um, officers recognized that when soldiers experienced some type of uh, trauma that they were allowed to go home and have bed rest right. um, before they were sent back on the battlefield. Extended stays in yes. the hospitals. Yes, yep, exactly. Uh, and there is one York Countyan that we want to highlight. His name is Earl Schaefer. So Earl Schaefer grew up in Shiloh. Um, he was best friends uh, with a young man named Walter Weinmiller. And they, um, when they were kids, he was born in 1918, so in the 20s, they went trapping and fishing and hiking, just outdoors people, yeah. right? Just love being outdoors. Uh, and so when World War II started, he enlisted in 1941. He went and served in the Pacific Theater. He was there for four and a half years. Yeah. yeah uh, unfortunately, uh, Walter passed away while he was in Iwo Jima. Um, and so when um, Earl Schaefer was released in 1945, he came home, he did odd jobs, he worked as an antique dealer, he refurbished furniture, he was a carpenter, and um, he struggled though. He struggled with what happened to him and how he could move on with his life. So I want to quote, uh, this is a lovely book, it's called Walking with Spring, and he wrote it. Um, while he was in the war, he, his therapy was writing. Okay, so he kept a diary. Yeah, yeah, and he, he was a poet, and he wrote his experiences and how he was feeling. And so he had still manuscripts uh, online for oh, you to go and read. Cool. Yeah, which is okay. really cool. Um, but when he came home, he said, those four and a half years of army service, more than half of it in combat areas of the Pacific, without furlough or even rest, had left me confused and depressed. Perhaps this trip would be the answer. He had planned a trip, and he was gonna go hiking. Uh, at this time, it was in 1947. No one had hiked the AT, the, right. uh, the um, Appalachian, Appalachian Trail. Trail. Thank you, Appalachian Trail, and it was from Georgia the whole way up to Maine. And so he said, "I'm going to walk this thing." Okay. Him and Walter, they made a pact when they were kids that when they were talked about it, and they were going to hike the whole thing. So we set out on this journey, um, and so here we have this this Yorktownian who was, I mean, he was he was a farm boy. Right. Like in the same with the Civil War, right? They're mm -hmm. farm boys. Yeah, their kids plucked right off their farm. That's They probably didn't travel that far yeah. from where they live. Yeah, and, and here they're going and serving. Yeah. And again, like, I just can't the fathom. Pacific the, Theater. Yeah. How much farther away from, from York, York County, County can you get? Right, right. Yeah, from a farm in York County. Yeah. So, so he went through this horrific experience and he came out and he found that writing and, and nature was the, was the best cure. And so he started down in Georgia and he went the whole way up to Maine and it took him 124 days, right? And at the time it was 2,020 miles, now it's longer. And he was the first man to do so. Um, so I highly recommend his book. It's how he dealt with, with what he went through. So that brings me to another really interesting story. 
So um, how people um, deal with their trauma is different. Uh, I went and interviewed this man named Dean Smith. And Dean Smith, he and his wife, Vicki Smith, preserved 95 acres in Dover with the Farms and Natural Lands Trust. That's amazing. Right? They believe yeah. in preserving York County green space, and, and um, they wanted to halt construction, just make sure that this area was preserved. And so I went and interviewed him. I'm on the board for the Farms and Natural Lands Trust, so I was writing an article for their newsletter. Mm -hmm. And so I went and interviewed him, and I said, why, uh, Dean, did you preserve this land? And he started talking about his own trauma. Now, civilian trauma is different than wartime trauma. Um, there is a difference. Um, but he was in the York International Explosion. And so he begins telling me uh, about, I mean, minute by minute, what happened to him. And, and it blew my mind. So here I was talking about farm, and he was talking about this, this experience. And so right. I found that a lot of people who go through these events, they want to uh, talk about it, you know? Right. And so he, he talked about it. Um, and so the York International Explosion happened in 1998. Um, it was one of the worst um, workplace explosions in York County. There were a few before that, like in 1908. Um, we had the York Rolling Mills accident, where we have 10 people that died and 20 injured from a boiler explosion uh, and then we had also other events too that happened in New York it wasn't just people think of trauma like crime in the city right but it's not right. it's all over the county yeah it could happen anywhere yeah yeah but this was in the city and um, that night one person did pass away and 20 were injured and he just remembers um, being in this explosion with sparks flying and he couldn't see I interviewed another man his name is Brad Schnell Brad Schnell was also there and Brad talked about how um, he just when the explosion went off he dropped on the floor he just yeah. dropped. Right. Uh, and then his, his friend came over, um, called him Wolfie. Wolfie came over and he, he said, come on, man, we got to go grab onto my shirt. Yeah. And they got out. And he said he, was, he wasn't the same after that. He, he moved on relatively with his life. Mm -hmm. um, but him and Dean still deal with a lot of the things that they went through. Right. And I'm so happy that we've gotten over the stereotype that you can't talk about things. Right. Like, we can talk about these hard issues. That's kind of the reason why Dami and I are doing this. Right. We're talking about areas of struggle, but then also redemption and how people are, are working through these things. Yeah, because so often you'll hear um, relatives of World War II veterans who say, you know, Grandpa never talked about his time mm -hmm. in the war. And I think it's because in that generation you didn't show that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Where they went through the same things that, you know, veterans are going through now with modern wars, but I think we're talking about it more, mm -hmm. and I think that's what's helping. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to stop veterans from committing suicide or lashing out, um, you know, hurting themselves, hurting others because of the trauma that they've been through, we need to talk about it. We need to say that it's okay to have emotions. Yep. It's okay, you know, to share that with the people that you love, with a counselor, a professional, Right. you know, yep. because it's not something that you should have to bottle up. Exactly. Yep. So, so speaking about great conversations, our <laughs> next one, so this is a part yeah. of our summer series. Um, We're going to keep going. You're not going <laughs> to only get two episodes. Um, the Golden Venture. So Jamie wrote a great article, and this is um, relevant to us because it happened not that far away. I mean... We're in Newburytown. How far away do you think it happened from here? Uh, was it, it was in York County Prison. I didn't map it. I think it was like five, five miles. Yeah, five or ten miles. Yeah. Google that. Google that. Check us. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that far. But um, it's about immigrants that were held um, with no charges, no charges for four years, yeah. I believe, mm -hmm. for four years. So, I mean, this is a great story about York County and how we rose above racism. Mm -hmm. And injustice. And, yeah, and injustice. Yeah. So I think it's really gonna be interesting and I'm ready to learn more about it. So Jamie's gonna spearhead that yeah. and uh, I'm gonna help her with it. So I'm excited. Yeah. So.
next time, you guys, thank you for listening to us tonight. And if you want to, you can join the Edersbiosco fleet. Yeah. <laughs>